I am so looking forward to connecting with today's Better Understanding podcast guest, Masi Alinejad. Masi is an Iranian-American journalist, author, and women's rights activist, and has won several awards for her work on human rights, especially women's rights in Iran. She is all over the media these days. She released a book in 2018 called The Wind in My Hair that deals with her experiences growing up in Iran, where she writes, girls are raised to keep their heads low, to be unobtrusive as possible, and to be meek. She now lives in exile in New York City, and she is here today to talk with us before she joins us again on March 14th at the Simmons Leadership Conference, our 44th conference. Masi, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today and for joining us in March. Thank you so much. To be honest, I'm very, very excited to join you. So let's dive in. How did you become involved in the feminist movement in Iran, especially for those people who might not have read some of your work? Look, uh, I have to say that um, when you use the word feminist, feminism now, it just takes me back to my tiny village, which I had no idea about equality, feminism, discrimination, freedom, because through educational system, we just learned that we're second class citizens. Through all the media, TV, newspaper, all the media, inside Iran, we just learned that as a girl, we cannot have the same freedom that our brothers used to have it. I mean, in a very tiny village, I had a little brother. So my brother was able to, to go to stadium, to sing, to ride a bicycle, to dance, to show his hair. So simple, no? But I was banned from doing all those activities because I was a girl. So that's how I started my own revolution from my family's kitchen, because I couldn't, I couldn't just accept it. I wanted to be like as free as my brother. So that's how I um, became a rebel, asking my brother, you have to take me out with you. You have to teach me how to ride a bicycle. You have to take me to stadium. So I made my brother an ally for myself. Really? Yeah. And my brother that I'm talking to you, was only two years older than me and he became an ally in my tiny village to fight back all those boundaries and what happened just two years ago my brother got arrested same brother got arrested they put him in prison for two years why because he was the one when the iranian regime actually tried to kidnap me tried to convince my mother to take me to Turkey. My brother exposed the plan and called me and saying that, Masi, don't come to Turkey because the intelligence service offered mom to, ki to kidnap you, to bring you to Turkey, and then they're going to kidnap you, so don't come. So then they punished my brother. So you see, this is the price. Not only women are paying for fighting for dignity, equality, those men who believe in feminism, they're paying huge price as well. So that's why I think that um, it's very important to share personal story. I'm very thankful you ask about how I got involved in this because every single woman in my country, in Iran, Afghanistan, in the Middle East, we learn from our personal story how to be powerful. We have only two options, to be victims or be warriors. So from early age, this is how I learned that I have to fight for every single right that men can have it easily. 
for most of the women in our audience, we can't fathom not being able to learn how to ride a bike or just go to the go out to stadium. Can you just bring some more understanding to what you would risk if you did? What was the penalty? And what were you told when you were a little girl about why by the adults in your life? You know what? Not only for your audiences, for millions of Iranian women, it's still beyond sad that in 21st century, we have to talk about that, how it means to be kicked out from a stadium and what we were told from early age that if we show our hair, what is going to happen to us? So when I was only seven years old, I had to wear hijab to go to school, to be able to go to school. So we were told by the law that if we don't cover our hair, mm -hmm. we won't be able to get an education. We won't be able to get a job. We won't be able to exist. So you see, it's not just um, like talking about hijab or a small piece of cloth. It's about our existence. It's about our dignity. And beyond that, we are told by the law, Sharia law in Iran, that um, doesn't matter whether you're Muslim, you're Christian, you're Jews, or you don't practice any religion, doesn't matter. If you don't follow Sharia laws, then not only you're not able to get job and education, you will receive lashes if you just show your hair, or if you drink water or uh, in the street during Ramadan, or you attend mixed party with men, like women and men attend mixed party dancing, you will receive lashes. These are all according to the laws. And for women, it's worse because it's not just receiving lashes. It's not just going to prison. It's not just being kicked out from everywhere. It's like you and your body is like a platform in the hand of ISIS, Taliban, Islamic Republic, and they write their own ideology on your body and you have to carry one of the most symbol of Islamic religious dictatorship. So that's how it feels, my sister. Oh, it hurts my head, it hurts my heart. And I'm so glad that now the international stage is watching in good part because of you. Because of the young girls in Iran, now I'm here. My heart is broken that for years and years, I was talking about these things that now I'm talking to you. People were like, Shh, you're causing Islamophobia. But now women are in the street leading one of the most progressive revolution saying that we're not against Islam. We're not against hijab. We are not, we want dignity. The narrative has changed. Our theme at the Simmons Leadership Conference in March is about renewal and innovation. And most who confront innovation don't put our own life at risk to do so. It feels risky, but what gives you the courage to stand up and stand out and be an activist given the dangers you face in doing so? That's a very good question because many people get me wrong. They think that I'm very brave. Um, it's a scary to be followed by a government. Let me give you a better picture. As soon as I started my campaign against compulsory hijab, publishing the videos of brave women inside Iran, walking unveiled, saying that no to compulsory hijab, as soon as the campaign went viral, the Iranian regime made a fake news on Iranian state television saying that Masih Alinejad was raped by three men in subway. 
just because of undressing herself. My God, that was a fake news, but this is the mindset of the Islamic Republic. Then it didn't work on me. I said, oh, come on. I, I, I didn't get raped, but if it was true, it's not my fault. Then immediately they went after the women of my campaign. They arrested 29 women of the campaign only in one day to break me. They brought the women of my campaign on TV to denounce me, to discredit me, to talk against themselves, to break them. That didn't stop us because the mothers of those women took to the street and saying that now you arrested our daughters. We are the voice of our daughters. So then all of these didn't work. So they came after me and my family. They put my brother in jail. They brought my sister on TV to denounce me publicly. They integrated my mother. They sent people in New York to kill me, to kidnap me. Would I get my courage? Of course, this is a scary. Everything that I sell to you, if one of them happened to any of you, you that have the right to be scared. But I'm only 45 kilos. I don't have weapon. I don't have guns and bullets. That shows you that the same regime who went after my family and women of my campaign, they're scared of me, an unarmed woman. That gives me power. Yeah. That the fear, of course, is going to go away when I see that I'm scaring the regime. Millions of brave women inside Iran now became a threat for the Islamic Republic. That gives me power, to be honest. So we talked about this a, a little bit in our preamble. I feel ultimately responsible for everyone who, who comes to us at the Simmons Leadership Conference. And I was interested about how you manage your safety. How do you balance, even on a daily basis, the need for personal safety with the desire to make change in your country? You know, for me, my life is being upside down. Because everywhere I go, I have to let the, uh, the FBI know if I want to come and give a talk to any organization. Sometimes some organizations stay away because they worried about the safety of their audiences. And I remember that from the beginning when the guy with loaded gun got arrested in front of my house. I was invited by one of the well-known news agency here in America. I went to their office and then they said that, wait a minute. We are told that we cannot have you because of the safety of our colleagues. I was broken. I sat down on the floor and I was like, you're canceling me? While you invite, I mean, Ibrahim Raisi, so-called president of Iran, the killer, the butcher is being, is being welcomed by the United States of America here. And you welcoming many of the leaders of Islamic Republic to your own media. They are the threat, but you're canceling me. You have to cancel the terrorists. So it's heartbreaking. But at the same time, I have to say that it's not comparable to the lives of those young teenagers taking to the streets, you know, facing guns and bullets, being raped in prison. It's nothing. I'm being protected. Thank God. It's beyond sad that my birth country trying to kill me but my adopted country, United States of America, trying to protect me. So I have the law enforcement here. They're protecting me. So I use the platform actually to make awareness that as far as the Islamic Republic is in power, they kill people. No one is safe. So I'm not as scared. I'm not as scared, but I want to get the attention to the young people inside Iran who are facing true risk. What's one thing that people outside of Iran who support the Iranian feminist movement 
and its goals, what's one thing we can do right now? This is the question that I want to hear. I love it. You know why? Because look, my personal story actually is, uh, of course, it's important for because I, I encourage many people to share their personal story. But at the same time, I want the, the rest of the world, especially feminist, uh, global feminist uh, movement to understand that there are a lot that they can do. First, they have to um, see what's going on in Iran and Afghanistan like bipartisan issue. Doesn't matter, you're left liberal, you're right wing, you're really doesn't matter whether Republican is in power, Democrats are in power. You have to see that the Islamic Republic, ISIS and Taliban is a threat for America and democracy. So when you put the feminism, women's rights in the first place and bury your um, political agenda, and that, you know what I mean? This is the goal. Iranian women and women of Afghanistan are fighting not only for themselves, they're trying to save the rest of the world from one of the most dangerous terrorist states called I call Taliban and Islamic Republic. So this is all the first thing that I want the feminists, women, uh, men across the globe understand that women of the Middle East are fighting for the whole world. Then they can, uh, you know, engage with our fight. Second thing, you know, there was a huge, massive campaign, Bring Our Girls Back by Michelle Obama. That was beautiful. We remember for the girls of Nigeria. And I was like, this is the time. Girls are being killed in Iran. Sarina was only 17 year old. She got killed. Nika was only 16 year old. She got killed because of burning compulsory hijab, because of chanting my body, my choice. So this is the moment that the same uh, feminist, well-known feminist can lead an international women's march in New York. Washington, in Europe, everywhere, and show the sisterhood and solidarity with women in Iran and Afghanistan who are being kicked out from schools, from universities, just because being girls, being women. So this is not too much to ask, and I think it's going to help Iranian women, women of Afghanistan, to show the dictators that we are not alone. This is universal values and feminist women, students, men across the globe are with us. You're here. This is clear and we can talk, we'll talk more about it. You'll talk more about it with Juju Chang when you're with us in March. Sure. What advice would you give women who see a need for change but hold back on taking a stand out of fear? You have only one life. You have only one life and you have two options living in fear, paranoia, feeling miserable, or making your oppressors feel miserable. You know, I actually tell them my personal story that I grew up in a very tiny village. We didn't have running water. We didn't have electricity. We didn't have inside bathroom. So in my backyard garden, we had outhouse. And during the night, it was dark, blacker than black, if such a thing is possible. So I was scared of the darkness. My mom, who's not even able to read and write, she's my true teacher, feminist mentor, she used to tell me that, hey, 
Darkness is like a monster. If you're scared of the darkness, the darkness can swallow you all. The darkness can devour you. But instead of being scared of the darkness, just stare into the darkness, like open your eyes as wide as you can go through the darkness, then the darkness will disappear. I experienced a lot of darkness in my life, being the first woman who got divorced in the village, being the first woman who got kicked out from high school just because of asking too much question, because, you know, being the first woman who go to prison when I was pregnant, just because of criticizing the government. So these were the dark moments in my life. I was living in fear. And my mom's um, lesson hurt me that I can open my eyes. I can stare into the darkness instead of living in fear, then the darkness will disappear. So if you have a goal, never give up. That's all I can say, because you are gonna win if you keep fighting and believing in yourself and as my mom said, open your eyes as wide as you can, the darkness will disappear. In the staring of the darkness, what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing in you is your light. And I feel fortunate to be journeying the path at the same time you are. I can't wait to meet you in person. I hope all who listen to this podcast and read this interview will join us either virtually or in person on March 14th. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You have a friend in me. Let me know what I and by connection, Simmons University, the Institute for Inclusive Leadership can do. We do have a stage and we're giving it to you. And I thank you for coming and joining us. Oh, thank you so much. You don't know how much I'm excited because this is the moment because of the bravery of Iranian young women and men shoulder to shoulder fighting for equality, dignity and freedom. Finally, Academia giving platform to the true, um, you know, freedom fighters in Iran and echoing the voice of Iranian women. I really, really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Time is now. So we will see you soon. Take Together care. we are stronger. Yes, see you yes. soon. I love this conversation. Thank you, Masi.